0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you're listening to House of Cards.
1: Today the game is different. Wanna gamble?
0: Gambling is a very
1: serious business. Is that clear?
2: Hello, everyone. This is Ashley Adams, the host of House of Cards. You're going to be listening to an hour of House of Cards. And our first guest is Patrick Cummings. He is the executive director of the Thoroughbred Idea Foundation. He's going to talk to us about what changes may be in store for thoroughbred racing. And then we have a really interesting guy uh, as our guest. You, you know we tend to bring people in from lots of different parts of the gambling universe. This is no exception. His name is John Friedel. He's known as Professor Slots, and he is going to talk about ways that you can figure out patterns that can be exploited so you can be a profitable slot machine player. So stay tuned. We'll be back with Professor Slots.
0: Ever wonder how a generation of millennials made millions with an iPhone just by following their passions? How some went from living in their parents' basements to becoming more famous than movie stars? For decades, there were technologies, companies, products, and market conditions all paving the way for today's social media infrastructure. The new film, Influencer, takes you on a journey to meet some of these people and technologies while exploring the mind and the day-to-day lives of social media influencers. Get an inside look into the world of social media influencers and the impact they have. Go on a journey inside the digital revolution. Check out Influencer today. Now available for a limited time only. Head on over to InfluencerFilms.com for a private screening of Influencer and inside look at the digital revolution. That's InfluencerFilms.com for a private screening of Influencer and inside look at the digital revolution. Now available for a limited time only. You're listening to the House of Cards.
3: Let's play.
2: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to House of Cards. I'm Ashley Adams, your host. Uh, we like to have... Different types of guests on this show. And we have one of them today. And I, I want to just pose a question to everybody in the audience to think about how we all celebrated the uh, kind of ease and legalization of online sports betting and the expansion of betting. But I want you to think about who might be hurt by that, who might be at least concerned about the increase in the availability of sports betting and if you thought oh my goodness thoroughbred racing people would be concerned about that you'd be right so we have on our show today patrick cummings he is the executive director of the thoroughbred idea foundation who has a very interesting take on how to deal with the broadening of other forms of gambling other than horse racing so without any further ado patrick are you there
1: i am here actually
2: Great. Well, I kind of set it up. Uh, I I think I've got the core of what you're doing, but please tell our listeners what the Thoroughbred Idea Foundation is and why it's important.
1: Well, our organization was founded uh, about eight months ago by a a group of concerned owners, breeders, prominent thoroughbred racing industry, uh, what I would essentially call long-term insiders who were quite frustrated with the pace of change in the sport. I mean, the sport has been an American staple for, uh, I mean, the best part of uh, 140 years or so with legalized tote betting for probably the last 90 years. Um, but it is very segmented, very fragmented. And uh, the pace of change in racing has not been great. Overall, uh, if we look at uh, just performance uh, in terms of, of betting handle uh, in the last 15 years, the amount bet on racing uh, is actually down about 50% when you adjust for inflation. So the metrics in the industry have not been great, and it's basically been time for you know s- s- some people in the industry to say, uh, let's try and take the reins here a little bit better, uh, steer us on a sharper course, and innovate, accept change, and and modernize a sport that, while it's been around for a long time, is really in need of of some serious
2: adjustment. All right. Well, let me just focus a little attention first on the history that gives rise to the organization to begin with. And, And let me just ask you if you have some facts to back up what I think are some assumptions that I would make. For example, back in the 60s when I started growing up and watching the world at large, gambling was limited to las vegas or you could go to the racetrack i lived in new york now (laughs) the options are almost infinite i mean you have everything from lottery tickets you can buy uh at the convenience store to um, a huge casino near you or poker rooms near you or uh now sports betting parlor at those casinos uh did you see a huge reduction since the 60s in the number of people who go to thoroughbred racing because of all the other options, or just the amount of money that they're spending?
1: Uh, it's definitely both, Ashley. The, the uh, overall attendance figures have, have declined precipitously ever since. Um, but the, the funny thing, and most people don't realize this, is that horse racing empowered by the Interstate Horse Racing Act in the late 1970s, has essentially had a legal monopoly on telephonic wagering. Right. And it has been uh, essentially squandered by horse racing. Um, that, so it first really kind of came into place in the 1980s through legal phone betting and the establishment of accounts um, in different jurisdictions, different states that then moved into legal online wagering in the, in the 1990s. And ever since that point of time, the only legal online wagering platform in America has been horse racing. And it's a great shame that the majority of people don't actually recognize that because racing has, has done plenty to squander it. But what happened over that period of time is the increase in simulcast wagering, uh, off-track wagering, where people do not have to be uh, on-site. And that now accounts for the vast majority of the handle of horse racing. And it uh, essentially has allowed tracks to focus far more on distributing their product as opposed to focusing on the on-track experience. And uh, and that has changed uh, dramatically since... Uh, See the, the 60s and 70s into where we are today, where average attendance at most tracks is a shell of itself.
2: Right. I know my family is uh, very involved with standard bread racing, harness mm-hmm. racing. And as bad as things look for thoroughbreds, uh, standard breads are eight levels below that. I mean, you, you used to go to Monticello and see stands full or almost full. And now you go, and if there are... 20 or 30 people actually i think they're even closing it but if you if you see 20 or 30 people that's all that's a crowd listeners we're going to cut away we'll be back after a quick break
1: happier. Her fur is so much shinier, silkier, softer. She has really mellowed a lot. Sheba is a 105 lean pounds of shiny, smooth, happy dog for life.
2: The shedding has stopped. The itching has stopped. Since 2001, we've helped more than a quarter million dogs get over their nutritional deficiency miseries
4: and saved our customers bazillions in vet bills. Thing we tried failed except the Dynavite. Come to Dynavite for help. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E help. dot com. If you want the dog to be healthy, you got to feed it something healthy. The omega-3 fatty acids. Flaxseed, zinc, alfalfa, the digestive enzymes that are cooked out of regular dog food. Dynavite is... Nutrition. DynaVite for life. Don't let your dog itch, scratch, stink or shed like crazy. Come to DynaVite for help. 859-428-1000. 859-428-1000. D I N O oh. V I T E.com. You're listening to The House of Cards.
2: Okay, let's play some damn cards. <laughs> Hi, everyone. This is Ashley Adams, your host of House of Cards. Welcome back. We're talking with Patrick Cummings. Patrick is the executive director of the Thoroughbred Idea Foundation. I had a question for you about this. Have you reached the point where you're saying uh, we accept the expansion of legal gambling and we just have to deal with it? Or are you trying in any way to um, restrict? or at least slow the pace of other forms of gambling uh, expanding?
1: Uh, Our organization, and I think the majority of horse racing, uh, is definitely not against uh, expanded gambling options. Uh, Horse racing is certainly not trying to stop it. The issue is how horse racing addresses it and participates in this newly expanded, uh, far more innovative process um, and we do so on the backs of horse racing, kind of competing in the legal gaming space. If we look back to the 1990s, uh, the expansion of the racino, of of racetracks becoming, uh, they were acceptable areas for gambling. It's where areas were already licensed, already zoned for gambling, and the great expansion in many states of putting casinos at racetrack properties. Right. The horseman's groups, to enable that, uh, in many different jurisdictions, in both the U.S. and Canada, got cuts of the slot revenue. Pennsylvania, for example, probably has the most uh, significant um, relationship in that sense. Ninety percent of the prize money that is awarded in horse racing in Pennsylvania is coming from a slot revolutionary trust that has been set up. Basically, they don't rely on people betting on horse racing to fund horse racing any longer. And uh, it's a bit of a concern that we, we think that the kind of the natural behavior is how can we get a piece of sports betting now? That many of these same locations are in pursuit of sports betting licenses. And again, different states, different laws, different tax situations. There's a lot of different situations there.
2: Right. Now, I, I had a question about that. Uh, that i 'm racing wo-
1: needs to fight away to yes,
2: yeah, so I had actually a couple of questions. first of all, what do you think about the fact that sports betting for the most part has static odds? You have fixed odds that are immutable during at least for the most part. They may be adjusted once or twice. well, parimutuel betting, which is the way they do it at horse racing these days. Has it changing? Are you thinking of playing with that formula, or do you still think that horse racing should continue to be a paramutual operation?
1: Racing without a fixed odds product or an exchange wagering product like that, which is offered by Betfair, um, I don't see how the future can include that. I think it's a necessity. When all of the growth uh, is happening within a fixed odds betting environment where customers know, what they're going to get if they are successful in this particular gambit, um, and all future generations are going to be leaned on on that particular type of wagering for the for the racing customer to not know what their return is going to be until potentially thirty or forty seconds into the actual event. That 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 is not a a future that racing can be a part of. It must uh, accept a fixed odds product an exchange wagering product. Um, that's where all the growth is. And I still think Paramutual has a place in the super exotic wagers, especially ones that, that books would not want to take on that risk. super superfectives, multi range wagers, pick fours, pick fives, pick, six, pick sixes. But the traditional, what we call bread and butter bets, the win bets, the place bets, they have to be fixed. Uh, and, and that competition must be offered because that is where... 100% of the growth is taking place on the sports betting side. Racing needs to find a way to compete.
2: So, if you don't mind, I'd like to get a little bit into why you think it is that paramutual betting became the law of the land for thoroughbreds, and yet it isn't the law of the land in sports betting at all. It's quite the contrary. Yeah, the the...
1: the on-track bookmakers actually had kind of the, the, the run of the, of the, of the place uh, back into the 1910s and 20s uh, when the tote uh, basically came over from France, uh, parimutuel wagering, um, was incredibly modern. And it was very simple, very straightforward, and uh, it was much easier for the tracks uh, and the state jurisdictions themselves to get a cut of the wagering. Um, it was in the best interest of the tracks to do that and the states themselves. It was much more controllable, um, and it was actually seen as incredibly innovative at the time. Um, there's a fantastic book uh, Arnie Lang wrote about it the uh, history of sports betting and bookmaking in America, and it's a very generic title, but I'd say about 70% of the book is focused on, on the history of horse racing, when in America. Uh, it, it was all uh, bookmaking. It was all fixed odds uh, until the tote came in and really replaced it, and it made for a very efficient bet-taking system. And the tracks loved getting their immediate cut in the states themselves. Um, unfortunately, the market's modernized, um, and, and getting a guaranteed slice is, is, is just not the way of the future. It's not the way that people have experienced sports betting, whether it be in Vegas uh, or anywhere else in the world. And it's time for racing to adapt to that. The only thing that happens with any great change in horse racing uh, is the running of the races. Uh, It's been an industry very slow to change. And in this rapidly evolving environment in which we're existing, uh, it's time for racing to start playing catch-up.
2: Is there any sign that if racing did change to fixed betting, like sports betting, that there would be an increase in interest? Have there been any studies done? Because I'm just thinking... People see horse racing as a whole as kind of my grandfather's form of gambling. I want the quick uh, casino gambling experience. Is there any evidence to show that if you fi- you switched to fixed betting, that there'd be an increase?
1: Statistically, or at least scientifically, uh, actually, I think the answer is no. Um, anecdotally, uh, I would suggest that being a participant in this uh, dramatic expansion of gaming, uh, racing has to play a part and it has to find a way to compete. And where I think the opportunity would exist for the sport is to compete at times when sports betting isn't necessarily available. That there's a great opportunity for racetracks that have been running during the week, during the day, to offer their products. Uh, their races as an alternative to sports which may not be taking place until the evening time. Uh, naturally, I think we're going to see that uh, with uh, an enhanced legal sports betting product, um, there will probably be a much greater distribution of, of game times to enable different start times to attract greater attention. It may be what were otherwise, you know, some kind of you know, strange times. You don't see a lot of games necessarily starting in the middle of the week at, say, 4 o'clock Eastern time. Maybe that's going to change as uh, as, as this legal sports wagering evolves. Well, racing has kind of stayed tried and true to its old you know 12, 30, 1 o'clock post times. Um, maybe it tries to branch out and run, run races in the morning, run more often during the week, kind of fill the gaps where sports betting is likely to really take off
2: i see so listeners we're going to cut away we'll be back after a quick break
0: The House of Cards Hotline, available 24 hours a day. Call the hotline or send us an email at info at HouseOfCardsRadio.com. And don't forget to visit our website at HouseOfCardsRadio.com and follow the show on Twitter and Facebook. By leaving a message with House of Cards, you can send to having your message played on the air. Hey, it's Dave from House of Cards. And you know this show keeps me busy traveling around the country. You hear all that noise behind me? That's a casino floor in Atlantic City. Even though I'm around all this excitement, I still need a good night's sleep, and that's why I bring my pillow everywhere. Now don't get me wrong, the hotel rooms here are very comfortable, but some of their pillows aren't the best for my back and neck. That's why my pillow is a must for me when I travel. And now there's a great new deal being offered by the folks at My Pillow. For a limited time, House of Cards listeners can receive a very special offer.
1: Her fur is so much shinier, silkier, softer. She has really mellowed a lot. Sheba is a 105 lean
2: pounds of shiny, smooth, happy dog for life. The shedding has stopped. The itching has stopped. Since 2001, we've helped more than a quarter million dogs get over their nutritional deficiency miseries.
4: And saved our customers bazillions in vet bills. Failed except the DynaVite. Come to DynaVite for help. D I N O V I T E.com. If you want the dog to be healthy, you got to feed it something healthy. The omega 3 fatty acids, flaxseed, zinc, alfalfa, the digestive enzymes that are cooked out of regular dog food. DynaVite is nutrition. Dynavite for life. Don't let your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy. Come to Dynavite for help. 859-428-1000. 859-428-1000. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com.
0: New Jersey's online gambling market is loaded with so many different sites and all kinds of promotions, it's enough to make your head spin like the reels on an old-time Atlantic City slot machine. So how do you make sense of all that information floating out there in cyberspace? Well, you don't have to. That's because the folks at NJOnlineGambling.com have done all of that for you. NJOnlineGambling.com is your complete resource for all the online sites in New Jersey. Which games have the biggest jackpots? NJOnlineGambling.com has the answer. Which sites use PayPal for deposits? NJOnlineGambling.com has the answer. NJOnlineGambling.com is the most trusted guide to the New Jersey online gambling market. Industry news, site reviews, the latest slots, table games, poker, they got it all in one spot. It's the ultimate resource for online players in New Jersey. They even got the best sign-up offers, better than some of the ones being offered by the online casinos themselves. Look, they say bet with your head. So why not do the same before you bet? And check out NJOnlineGambling.com, the most trusted resource around for New Jersey's online gambling market. House of Cards is brought to you by Drizzly, your online liquor store. Bright Tech offers unique no-dust lighting products that fit right into your home. No construction required. Elevated design should be available to everyone, not just the folks with the big bank accounts. Trick out your living room. Create your perfect reading nook. Whatever the situation, Bright Tech has a lighting solution for you. And now get 5% off of your entire order when using our promo code RADIO5OFF at checkout. Head on over to brighttechshop.com and start designing the life you want. Bright Tech, your bright life realized. Hey, this is Dave Weishadol from House of Cards with your House of Cards gaming report for the week of March 25th, 2019. Atlantic City may have a new casino in the near future. Philadelphia developer Bart Blatstein said he's planning on turning the showboat back into a casino after receiving preliminary approval to seek a license. The showboat casino closed its doors in 2014 and it has been a non-gambling hotel for the last three years. Former casino executive Gamal Aziz has been arrested for allegedly bribing a university in order for his daughter to be accepted into the University of Southern California. The former Wynn and MGM executive is accused of paying $300,000 in exchange for his daughter's admission to USC. Aziz is one of many defendants charged nationwide with bribing college and university officials in order for their children to be accepted to various schools. And finally, a tourist from Hawaii hit it big in Vegas. The unnamed tourist was playing the Monopoly Millionaire's Penny Slot Machine at the Plaza Hotel and Casino when they hit the jackpot. After playing for only five minutes, the slot machine paid out over $1 million. All this on St. Patrick's Day. How lucky can you get? Have any news or tips regarding casinos, gaming, or legislation? Send us an email at newsroom at houseofcardsradio.com and follow us on Twitter at Radio.
2: Hello, listeners. Welcome back to House of Cards. This is Ashley Adams, your host. I want to reintroduce you. We're talking with Patrick Cummings. Patrick is the executive director of the Thoroughbred Idea Foundation. Let me ask you this, then. Um, we have a couple of minutes left. What would be the next two or three steps in the progression, if you had your way, what would happen next? And then what would happen after that toward a world where maybe Thoroughbred Racing is getting, if not a larger piece of the pie, at least not declining.
1: Well, the example, I think, to follow right now is what's been happening in New Jersey, um, who generally, of course, seems so far ahead of the curve um, in, in so many aspects, uh, and what's been happening at Monmouth Park. Uh, Monmouth Park is operated, owned and operated by the horsemen, and they dabbled their toes in the water uh, of fixed odds. Um, on their biggest day, racing day of the year, last uh, last July for the Haskell Invitational Day, and in their sports book, uh, they did offer some head-to-head wagers. They offered a a fixed odds prop bet on the margin of victory in the race. Now, all of these bets were approved very late on, maybe within 48 hours of the race, um, and of course were only taken at the sports book at Monmouth Park in a very small area of the racetrack. And interestingly enough, they handled twenty-one thousand dollars, despite essentially no marketing, incredibly limited distribution. Compare that to some of the daily doubles, some of the pick-three pools that are offered at every wagering outlet, uh, brick-and-mortar outlet, and online outlet in uh, North America, and it still outhandled a few of those on that particular day. Um, the horsemen have to be involved in whatever deals are cut. They actually have a protection in law that many of the sports leagues would like to get, call it an integrity, you call it what you will, some sort of cut is guaranteed to the horsemen when it comes to wagering. They have to start doing deals, Ashley. Uh, they have to evolve their product. They have to get away from just this uh, drug that essentially is tote bedding, this guarantee that has been out there and offered to them for many years. It's time to move on. Uh, New Jersey has dabbled their, you know, they they, they dipped their toes in the water uh, and had a flavor of it. Uh, And I think we're going to see more and more of that expand over time, and other states are going to need to follow suit.
2: Okay. Well, we got about 30 seconds left. Let me ask you one final question, or two final questions. First, um, what's the timeline, in your view, for when the first of these changes? Uh, maybe at Monmouth, maybe elsewhere, is going to happen. What's the next thing to happen? What time do you think it's going to be happening? This summer? Not for a couple of years? Well, the
1: have already done a deal um, with a uh, Canadian-based operation. I would say uh, within the next year, there needs to be a legitimate fixed odds operation. Uh, We think it will be in New Jersey. Um, But uh, – Yeah, let's say within a year. Within
2: a year. Okay, and then finally, for people that are listening that want to learn more about this, uh, I I want to know where can they go to read more about this or even perhaps get involved?
1: Uh, RacingThinkTank.com is our website. The link to the report is there. And other topics. Say it again. What's the website
2: again? Say that again slower. RacingThinkTank.com. RacingThinkTank.com. All right. Well, Patrick, this has been very illuminating. Uh, I have a vested interest in wanting horse racing to at least not continue to erode, and I hope you're successful.
1: Thanks so much, Ashley.
2: Okay. Listeners, that was Patrick Cummings. He, was the, he is the executive director of the Thoroughbred Idea Foundation. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back with another guest. You're listening to the House of Cards.
1: Do you know what a straight flush is? It's like unbeatable. Like unbeatable
4: is not unbeatable. Hey, I know that now.
2: Hello, everyone. This is Ashley Adams. Welcome back. We are here, as you know, on House of Cards. We like to have people from all sorts of parts of the gambling universe. Today is no exception. We are joined by a guy who calls himself Professor Slots. He is an expert on slot machines. He is an engineer, I believe. He's certainly a professor. And we're going to be talking with John Friedel. John, are you there? I am here. So, give our listeners a little more complete biography about how it is that John Friedel became Professor Slots.
4: Well, I, like a lot of people, I played Slots. Uh, and I realized that I could sort of see some patterns going on. So, I, I, I went every six weeks or so and, and maybe spent, uh, you know, $250 and uh, just kind of enjoyed myself. And then I won, like, a fairly big jackpot uh, and, like, $3,700. And I thought, gee, you know, for, for the last 10 visits, for the last six months, um, you know, I basically won my money back. Uh, you know, there's got to be more to this. Uh, so I uh, went into the high-limit flat room, and that day I ended up with seven uh, taxable jackpots. Uh, I think the largest was 5000 and went home with $10,000. Okay. That was really the beginning, and I, I felt like I could see some stuff going on. And that's uh, kind of the
2: beginning, the kickoff. Okay, fair enough. You raised three questions in your initial statement. First of all, I noticed in your bio, and I noticed in the way you just explained your bio, you use the adjective taxable, taxable jackpots, which raises the question for me, are there non-taxable jackpots? Is there something uh, special about the fact that a jackpot is taxable? What do you mean? Why do you use that term? Sure. Uh, If you have a
4: jackpot, um, a single win... Make a one bet and a single win that is $1,200 or more. Uh, It is automatically um, a W-2G tax form, and uh, taxes will be taken out. Now, it depends on which state you're in, whether or not federal is required or not. Um, Usually state, if they have uh, taxes, uh, like Nevada doesn't, um, uh, that's automatic. And sometimes the casino is located in a city which has local taxes. So you could end up with uh, one or three tax burdens. Uh, and $1,200 or more.
2: So when you use the term taxable jackpot, what you're saying is a jackpot so large that taxes are automatically deducted from it because all ta- all income is taxable, right?
4: Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, uh, that's a very good point. If it's less than $1,200, it's the individual's responsibility to report taxable income. But uh, the casino will uh, force the issue uh, if it's $1,200 or more.
2: Okay, I got it. So, that, But the other thing that you said in your opening remarks, uh, John, is you noticed patterns. Now, the, as a poker player, I per- perhaps have a misunderstanding of slots, but I have always thought the only pattern in slot machine payouts is that over time the player will lose. But I presume, based on the fact that you're calling yourself Professor Slots, that you noticed some other kind of pattern. Tell us about that. Uh,
4: sure. What I do is... Break up casinos into two different types, um, what I call older style and newer style. Uh, you're thinking of the older style, whether, where it's you know completely random and uh, uh, there's very little patterns. I know of one uh, which we could talk about if you if you want to. But if you're at a newer style casino, and these are basically from about 2012 forward. Um, these are new casinos or are heavily renovated. Uh, casinos, they're wired up. They have a central computer. That, all the slot machines are connected. Um, wires are wireless. Uh, and and casinos you know, gained something from that, that that operating system, which is they were able to reduce their workforce. Uh, in older style casinos, you have slot mechanics who come in and you know remove the money, clean the filter, and reset the odds every seven to ten days on all slot machines in the casino on a regular schedule of the casino. That's older style slot machines. Newer style casinos They do this on an automatic basis. Uh, There's laws about not doing it while somebody's playing, et cetera, et cetera. But but the idea is they can change it daily or several several times daily to reduce their workforce to save money and also to meet their financial goals a little more spot on. Uh, And not many people are talking about this new technology that's come out. A few people sort of mention it, but they don't think of the consequences for winning because they're not real great at that. And there's patterns that have emerged, and I have written them all down and trying to share.
2: Well, okay, so let me see if I can summarize in layman's terms what you just said. Old casinos where you had human beings that serviced the machines would set the machines with a certain percent payback, so they would go in every couple of weeks or so and set uh, a machine to a 97 percent payback or 91 percent or whatever the heck they wanted. But now with a centrally controlled modern system, uh, computers are involved, not individuals And therefore, there are patterns that one can detect showing more than 100% payback to the player? Is that what I'm hearing you say?
4: Uh, You know, not more than 100% payback because they they do have to still meet their goals. It's just that they have these um, uh, uh, things that they do. Like uh, the one example that I like to give is let's say they have a busy night on a Friday night and they want to hit their target. Uh, for, you know, some of this is business, MBA sort of uh, topics, but they want to hit their financial target. And it is very difficult to do that, even with the modern technology. So, what they do is they short themselves. They don't give back quite as much as they, they, they want as their target because it's so easy to go over and it would take like five slow days for them to make that up. And that would be a terrible experience for their customers. So, they just fall short just a little bit. And the next morning, they give out a couple of jackpots, they hit their
2: financial goal. You're saying that if they have a busy Friday night, uh, they might end up giving out a few jackpots on Saturday to make their target. I don't understand how giving out a jackpot. Well, they
4: have a financial goal. They, they have a financial goal. Um, you know, you, you go to some of the state uh, gaming commissions and they talk about a 93% payout percentage or 90% payout percentage. Uh, you know, they have a target, uh, the financial target, where they're, they're both responsible uh, by due to the state's um, uh, regulations to meet within a certain Banned, and they also themselves want to hit a particular number. It has to do with customer satisfaction. I mean, they, they can't make it, you know, take everybody's money and no jackpots, right? Uh, 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 so uh, you're, is- saying,
2: you're saying they have a target for payout, not a target for profit. And they, if they exceed the amount of money that they would normally hold because of a Friday night being very busy, so their target of payouts they need to meet so they have extra money to give out to the public the morning after a busy night. Ah, got it. And how do you detect this, and how do you know when and where and what machine to play to take advantage of that?
4: Uh, the other tip that I give people is uh, find a slot machine, uh, either watch somebody play it or play it yourself, and when there's a jackpot, make a note of which slot machine, which to- what time, go away, come back a week later, five minutes before, 10 minutes before and play through that same time period because that's a good time. Now, in, you know, I could go into why it's a good time, uh, uh, but the casino has set it up to be slightly higher odds at that time. So if you only play slot machines, which a week before had a jackpot, then you can raise your odds seven, 10%. Uh, and that puts you over hundred percent. And if you just do that, you're, you're basically selecting slot machines that the casino has set to win at certain times. It doesn't happen every time, but it happens enough that your odds
2: will no longer be below 100 percent it'll be above 100 percent on average over time listeners we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back
0: ever wonder how a generation of millennials made millions with an iphone just by following their passions How some went from living in their parents' basements to becoming more famous than movie stars. For decades, there were technologies, companies, products, and market conditions all paving the way for today's social media infrastructure. The new film, Influencer, takes you on a journey to meet some of these people and technologies while exploring the mind and the day-to-day lives of social media influencers. Get an inside look into the world of social media influencers and the impact they have. Go on a journey inside the digital revolution. Check out Influencer today. Now available for a limited time only. Head on over to InfluencerFilms.com for a private screening of Influencer and inside look at the digital revolution. That's InfluencerFilms.com for a private screening of Influencer and inside look at the digital revolution. Now available for a limited time only.
2: You're listening to the House of Cards with Ashley Adams, a poker face carved in marble.
3: <laughs> Hi,
2: listeners. This is Ashley Adams. You're listening to House of Cards. Welcome back. I'm talking everybody to John Friedel, Professor Slots. Why are you sharing this with the public? I mean, because the more you share it, you're on House of Cards, after all, and people all over the world are listening, including uh, casino managers, slot manufacturers, gaming bosses of all types. They may take countermeasures to uh, frustrate people's attempts to get 130% payback. Why share this with the public?
4: Partly because um – (laughs) <laughs> uh, I have massive student loans. I have a lot of college degrees and I'd like to pay them off. It's uh, a personal uh goal uh second um wait, wait, wait. I'd let's start like with that
2: per- let's start with that personal goal. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't mm-hmm. you be more likely to make money by using this system a hundred and thirty percent payback at the slot machines without the possibility of the company finding out so to speak, and make your money off the slots than by selling? for whatever amount you're selling your book or your services for?
4: I can make far more uh, selling a book. Uh, 20% see. of my current salary uh, of, uh, as an aerospace engineer is kind of a minimum wage job. Uh, it's a little better than that. I'm, I'm happy to show people how to you know, make a profit, but it isn't like it's um, uh, doubling my income. Uh, you know, I, I'm not talking here about the maximum jackpot. I'm talking about going home with more money than you than you uh, you, know, than you brought in. I see. Uh, so I have uh, massive student loans. And, and the financially, you know, uh, I did the, ran the numbers and I'll be 80 before I pay off my student loans. I'm hoping that this other method, and I do love to teach. I honestly love to teach. And I, I as much as I, you know, go in and enjoy a slot machine, I also enjoy teaching. So I I thought I would explain to people, see if they're interested, see if this is a viable business, uh, you know, to to explain all this and and see if people are interested. I'm not entirely sure of that. I'm not entirely convinced. I think it's a good idea. But I wonder how many people are on a place. Lots or, say, online. You know, questions like that. So I'd like to uh, uh, maybe even have a retirement someday. Pay off my student loans and have a retirement. That would be awesome.
2: Well, I hope that continues because it would it would be pretty bad if they started to come up to winning slot players the way they do to blackjack players and say, uh, Mr. Friedel, I'm sorry, your play is too strong for us. Please find some other game <laughs> in the casino. It. They don't believe nobody it. Believes you, it right now. Right, right now, but once they yeah. read your book, and they hear this incredibly incisive interview, they're going to say, wait a second, and they'll have their guys review all of this stuff that you just disclosed, and they'll say, you know, yep. this Professor Slots has something. We better take countermeasures, and in the meantime, we're going to bar him from playing slots and make him play blackjack instead or something like that. <laughs>
4: <right>? <laughs> well, you know what? I well, Another approach that I've heard that I, I will – confess that i like better is uh pay me to shut down my website
2: yeah, <laughs> i uh, have a number in uh,
4: mind. it's kind of a high number <laughs> give give the
2: listeners your website and how they can get a hold of your book
4: sure uh professor slots.com i tried easy. to make it as uh, straightforward and easy as possible just professor slots no spaces no dashes.com uh and uh everything's right there
2: well, that's terrific. Uh, where do you apply your trade? Do you have some like parts of the country that you tend to concentrate on, or do you go all over the world?
4: Well, at the moment, I'm in the United States. I go to a, a few states um, to gamble, but I prefer someplace local where I can come back a week later. Yes, I've been to Las Vegas, but only a week, a week at a time. And so that technique I was telling you about where you come back a week later isn't viable. Uh, so I try to, when people come to be it's amazing, the number of people ask me about Las Vegas and going to Las Vegas, I try to give them, you know, help, assuming that it's a short trip. Uh, so I prefer casinos that I can drive by on the way home from work every day, if I want to, um, where I can try a few things. Uh, because I think a lot of people are like that. There's so many casinos popping up across the country that, uh, you know, you don't have to go to Las Vegas to find a casino. Right. And you have several casinos round you, near you, so which one's the best? And I talk about how to figure out which one is the best and then i talk about figuring out which one's the best slot machine or at least is isn't a sucker bet one uh so yeah i i, I think you know near our homes uh, is what i'm trying to approach for my
2: audience i got you well i gotta tell you john friedel this is an eye-opening interview it's the first time that i've actually thought that slot machines could be systematically beaten and i i would encourage people to check out your site, professorslots.com. Professorslots.com. Can't get much simpler than that. And I wish you well, and I hope you win a lot of taxable jackpots in the months to come. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. All right. Listeners, that was John Friedel, Professor Slots. Uh, That'll do it. Listeners, um, we're going to end the show, but come back next week. And until then, good luck and good day.